Texans, what's up? Thank God my secrets didn't fall out. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the woman of the hour today. Make some noise for Shalene! Right We love Jada. I love that. I was just so excited to be here. So happy to see you, Dallas. Dallas, you have my heart. I love you. Have a seat. Have a seat. We're gonna have so much fun tonight. Can you already tell? Right? And I mean, Jada just set it off because, um, first of all, I really love this night to be about people accepting each other and having fun, not taking themselves too seriously, and recognizing that we all have so much in common. You know, even if you don't look like the person sitting next to you or you do, we have so much in common. And it is such a humbling experience for me to have you be here. Look, it is so humbling that you listen to my podcast, like your podcast listeners. Also, it's, um, it's reassuring. Do any of you have a podcast? Hands up. Do you know what I mean? Like, the fact that anyone listens to your podcast, you're like, I, it's such a humbling thing that people listen to you talk. You know? And then you realize you have so much in common with other people, and that's why these events are so powerful to me, because what we have in common isn't like fitness or business. It's like what we have in common is one thing room for growth right welcome to the Shalene show Shalene is a New York Times best-selling author celebrity fitness trainer and obsessed with helping you live your dream life so today we're talking about social anxiety right and I think all of us have had it at some point or another but I also want to make the distinction and this isn't like a scientific term but I like to think of it as social anxiety light and then social anxiety disorder, and they're different. If you have social anxiety disorder, you know, that's someone who it's taken over your life. You're not here tonight, as a matter of fact. You wouldn't be at a, a live recording. It's very difficult for you to just function. Today, what I would talk about is really social anxiety light, like just to put a broad stroke across it. It's something that all of us experience. And this is something where you might experience discomfort in one of the following settings, public speaking, so if, if I mention a type of setting that would make you uncomfortable, just raise your hand, okay? Public speaking. Social settings or parties. Meeting new people. Being introduced in front of a large group of people. <laughs> that was so Mindy's laugh. Um, Talking to someone of notoriety or who intimidates you. Uh, being watched, being observed. 
Eating or drinking in public? Speaking up, voicing your opinion in a group? Not as many, huh? Opening up about yourself? Being the center of attention? Pretty outgoing group. I think all of us can relate to at some point, and if it's the right circumstances, you're like, yeah, there's been an occasion where that wasn't terribly comfortable for me. And, and I know that's true for me. I mean, I, mean, I, I think people assume if, you're, if you have a podcast or if you're comfortable being on stage or on TV or whatever, that you must be okay with social situations. But I experience social anxiety myself. I'm thinking about when it comes up most often for me, like I'm thinking about a, a recent event where I had to go and speak at this convention, I guess you could call it, where I knew that the audience wouldn't know who I was. I also know I didn't look like most of the attendees. I also knew they were used to seeing um, a pretty buttoned up older man as a speaker. And I knew that <laughs> my lashes and lip syncing probably wasn't going to land as well as it would with other crowds. So I remember driving to this event and I'm thinking to myself, I should just say I'm sick. I should just, like, yeah, yeah, people get sick sometimes. Yeah, of course people would get sick. That would be believable. That would be totally believable. I haven't been sick in a long time. Let's see, did I snap anything today? Did I do anything on social media? Because you have to, you've got to do a little backtrack and go, like, how well is this lie going to work? And I'm like, okay, so what would be the ramifications of me just canceling last minute and not going? Because the more I kept thinking about it, the more uncomfortable I was getting and the more I knew that these people, in my mind, were not going to dig me. They weren't going to like me. They weren't going to think I had credibility. They weren't going to connect with me. They weren't going to, they weren't going to pay attention. They would probably wonder why I was on that stage. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in my own head until I literally was like this close to saying I'd been in a car accident or like making up some kind of crazy lie and not going. And I, I pulled into the parking lot and I just sat there in my car for a little while and I thought, okay, not true. That's my phrase. So I, I try to use a phrase when I catch myself doing this. And I, I like to think of it as bullying. Like, you know, I've had people be mean to me. I don't know if I would ever use the word bullying about someone else's behavior towards me. But, because I think you have to allow someone to treat you poorly, right? But I know that the one person who can treat me poorly sometimes is me. And I have to catch myself when I'm bullying myself and just go, not true. And that's my phrase, not true. This is not true. And I catch myself when I'm saying these things and then I try to tell a different story. So, out of curiosity, how many of you can make it a lot worse in your head than what it really is, right? Yeah, and, and that's one of the worst things that we can do. Now, some people, when they start to experience social anxiety, they can experience um, trembling or a rapid heart rate, negative self-talk, breathing heavy, or just going blank. Like you can't remember anything and the words just won't come out of your mouth and you, you feel like such a because nothing really makes sense. But for most of us, social anxiety just means like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. No, I just don't want to. Right? And we can say things like, well, I'm an introvert. That's why I don't want to do it. That 
that's why I don't just I prefer to be by myself. But the truth is, if we really like peel away the layers, what we don't want to have happen is people find out whatever it is. Find out we're insecure. Find out we're not as smart as we pretend to be. Find out we're not as interesting as they are. Find out we're not as good looking. Find out we're not as thin. Find out we're not as pretty as our Snapchat filter. Whatever it is. Like, we just don't want to be found out. That's what most of us think about. And the one thing that feeds into that the most is our own self-talk. Which, by the way, most self-talk is borrowed anyways. Like, it's not really your voice. It's usually the voice of someone else who's far more critical that was maybe in your life. Right? And then we just kind of adopt it. Usually, not always. Sometimes we develop our very own unique way of bullying ourselves. And then we have ways of dealing with um, social anxiety. So um, just out of curiosity, how many of you have done one of the following things to cope? Canceled. Kids are such a great way to get out. They're like, I wish I, wish I could. Oh, Brock's got a fever and diaper rash. He's 22, but <laughs> wish we could, right? So it's canceling. Then there's putting ourselves artificially in a better mood, i.e., if you live in California, CBD oil or THC, having a cocktail or two, medicating, whatever it is. Like you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this, but I'm taking a Xanax. <laughs> like, you know, there's, that's one way of coping. Another way of coping is talking fast. Just talking, 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 talking really fast. Arriving and then trying to be invisible. Like making sure nobody talks to you, making sure no one makes eye contact with you, making yourself smaller, right? Then there's assuming the role. You're like, okay, I'll go, and you know what, I'll be the DJ, or I'll be the bartender, or I'll be the comedian, or I'll be the organizer, or I'll be the coat, whatever it is, like you're, like, you're like, I will do it as long as I have a role. How many of you have done that before? Yeah, it's like something to keep you busy. And then there's, of course, the just grin and bear it. Like, I'm going to do it, but ugh, I'm going to hate every single minute of it, and you're going to pay later because you forced me to do this. Right? Those are all ways of coping, but it's still quite miserable. So what I want to share with you tonight is some strategies to actually make social settings more enjoyable for you to get better at it. Sound good? Okay. So just to kick things off, I want you to high-five someone you don't know in a row behind you and say, we got this, someone you don't know. So talkative, I love it. I love it. All right. So the number one reason why we tend to uh, want to avoid social settings is because we've given ourselves a label. Like in our mind, we've told ourselves a story. So if you think about labels, labels are things that we either keep on our clothing or we cut them off. And we usually cut them off because they're irritating us, they're bugging us, it's no longer serving a purpose, right? But for most of us, if we've been given a label, sometimes we'll just deal with it. If there's a label inside our shirt that is 
annoying. We'll, we don't even think about the fact that we have the ability to cut it off. How many of you are parents? Okay, perfect. So this is so hard to avoid because I've done it too. But people will say, oh, so tell me about your kids. And you will say things like, well, Brock is our athlete. He's the outgoing one. Brock is our people pleaser. Sierra is our, our, our you know, she beats to her own drum. She's our free spirit. We give our kids labels, whether we realize it or not. Right? Oh, this one's my smart one. This is our cheerleader. This is our creative one. This is our artist. This is our free spirit. We like give so many labels to our kids. This is our shy one. This is Mr. Social. So how many of you had a label in your family? Think about it, think about it, think about it. Keep your hands up, I wanna see. Look around. How many of you, at some point, at some point you were labeled. Hands up, and then look around. So about 80% of the room had some kind of a label. And you believe those labels. Whether you want to or not, you tend to believe those labels. And then you internalize them. And you believe that's part of your identity. This is especially true if you were labeled as shy. Right? Because then that, that almost gave you permission to be a certain way. And your parents or parents may have told people, oh, this is, oh, she's shy. Oh, he's very shy. And that was like permission to pull back. It almost gave you an excuse to not to have to be social. But what happens when shy children turn into adults is other adults feel responsible for them. Because when you know a child is shy, how do you respond? You're like, oh, quieter voice. More, and you, you kind of want to take care of them. You're very careful with them. But once we're adults, shy isn't attractive anymore. You know, it feels like I got my own kids to take care of. I got to take care of you too. You know, but really, most people, what they're now dealing with isn't shyness, it's like a social anxiety. And it is a skill that we can improve. So, any label that hasn't served you, think about this for a second. Any label whatsoever you've ever been given that doesn't serve you, you should cut it off. If you have a well-fitting pair of jeans and you freaking love them, but it bugs you that that particular manufacturer makes them so much smaller that the size is bigger than all your other jeans, cut that label out, okay? <laughs> it's not serving you. You should feel good about the labels that you have, and you should give yourself labels that you want to live up to. So if a label isn't serving you, cut it out, because otherwise you'll live up to it or live down to it. The next thing I want you to understand is that, and I know you know this, body language, body language tells other people what's going on in your head and then they respond to you accordingly. So if you encounter someone who's completely uncomfortable and you can see it on their body, how do you feel? Completely uncomfortable for them and for you. Like there's nothing worse. But there is something worse, and that is what your body language is telling you, right? So just for fun, I want you to slouch. And like really pretend like you want to be as small as possible and have no one notice you. Play along. Okay, now I want you to frown, and I want you to think about how uncomfortable you are because the spotlight's about to come on you, and everyone's gonna stare at you. 
So I want you to be really uncomfortable right now. And, and own it for a second. Now you were happy a moment ago, but do you see how just your body language has started to make you feel differently? So if you pull your shoulders back, you lift your chest, you drop your shoulders down, you relax your arms, and you smile, it changes your state of mind. And when you change your state of mind, you start thinking about other things. Whatever you focus on becomes your reality. When you're smiling, when you're feeling relaxed, when your body says we are confident, we are comfortable, and we're good, your mind starts to think about things that are, help you to feel more confident, more comfortable, and good. But when your body language says be guarded, I'm thinking, like, just so you know, I just do not like resting face. <laughs> I don't like it. I think it's, it's your responsibility to make me feel comfortable. Yeah. Right? So I always tell my kids, like, if you're in church, if you're listening to a teacher, you better be smiling and nodding or you will be grounded. Because it is rude to listen like this. Just so you know, I don't like you. Right? And it's like, fix your face. Fix your face. It's not polite. It's worse than not using good manners, in my opinion. So my husband, Brett, and I, uh, when we owned a company called Powder Blue Productions, did Brett just get a cheer? We would, do, we would hold auditions for presenters to, to, who would come and they would learn how to teach turbo kick and they would learn how to basically teach fitness instructors how to teach. And we would hold these auditions. Well, first they would send in videotapes and they would audition via videotape and like a written, uh, I guess you would call it, application. And we would pour through those and we were looking for like, really more for personality traits than anything else. We wanted a heart. We wanted heart more than you know, body fat percentage or any of those things. Like to look great is great, but we wanted people who like had a heart. And so we would hold these auditions and then we would bring all of the potential candidates in and we would train them for the weekend. And then at the end of the weekend, collectively, myself, our executive staff and our veteran presenters would pick the people who we felt like really embodied the qualities we were looking for. The skills we could teach them, like skills can be taught. But like we wanted to know, like, who's got the heart? Because that, that's a really tough thing to teach people, is to make other people feel comfortable. And on the first day, I would make a list of the people who had resting face. <laughs> they didn't know it, but those are the ones that had the tough, they would have to like find a way back to get like my heart. Because I was just like, if this, that's someone who's unaware of how they make other people feel. You know? So, and, and it's a habit. Like, I have many friends who do this. Too. They're like, I, didn't, I don't even know I'm doing it. I'm really, I'm just thinking. I'm literally just thinking. I'm like, well, you need to think about what your face is doing. Because <laughs> it's not nice. Hi, any high school teachers in the audience? High school teachers? I don't know how you do it. Let me see our high school teachers. Okay, let's give them a round of applause.
thank you for what you do because teenagers are horrible individuals. Horrible. They're horrible and they're rude and they all have resting face. So oftentimes I'll, I'll be asked to speak at high schools and I'm like, no. Because they make me feel so insecure because they just go like this. Back to the teachers. Where are my teachers again? Hands up. Is that what they do in class too? How do you handle it? Does it, does it mess with your brain? Like do you feel insecure about what you're doing? Where was my other teacher back here? Is it true? Like they, that's what they do. Does it mess with your mind? Yeah. Yes. Love it. So if you didn't hear her, she said yes. That's why we teachers drink. That's a tough group. That is a tough group. I don't know what happens when my, my kids are much more articulate now, but man, when they were in high school, they, it's like they lost their vocabulary. Everything was like, uh. <laughs> Horrible human beings. But so body language does two things. It tells you how to feel and it tells other people how to feel about you. And I know sometimes you're not feeling it, but you have to pretend because you need to tell your brain to get with the program. You know, so if you want to be in a better place when you're entering into a social setting, you need to start with your physical presence, your smile, your posture. And that, it starts there because that's gonna send the message to your head. And that's important because you need to get out of your head. That's my next point. So. You need to get out of your head because most often our doing is we're thinking about what everybody else is thinking. Do they think I'm too old? Do they think I'm too young? Do they think I'm wearing the wrong outfit? Do they think I don't look like them? Do they think I'm not smart enough? Do they not like what I'm wearing? It's like, it's so much physical too, by the way, right? It's so much physical. Is what I'm saying stupid? <laughs> Does this make any sense? Like, why are they, oh, they're going to think that I'm, I don't belong here. I'm not as good as them. I'm not as thin as them. I'm not as tall as them. I'm not as rich as them. I'm not as fill in the blank. That's what we start doing. All those things, right? It's exactly the conversation I was having with myself in the parking lot before I walked into that conference, which by the way, I actually did walk in and it, it was probably my best ever experience speaking on stage. It was so fun. I have videotape footage of it. It's the funnest. It's the funnest video I own of my, like I don't usually watch my, anything I've done of myself because that's weird, I think. Like who are these people that work out to their own videos? I think that's so weird, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, isn't that like watching your own sex tape? That's weird. <laughs> but whatever, I love you. But anyways, so I, I usually don't watch what I've done because I'm like, I can't, I can't go back and fix it. But this particular footage I have, they pan to the audience and it's a much older, much more um, male audience and super geeky, I'm just going to say it. And I made them dance to uh, Baby Got Back. It's like the best footage ever. Like I love it, love it, love it, love it. Because they got to experience something they normally wouldn't do because I, how I prepared myself and changed my way of thinking from they aren't gonna like you, they're gonna hate you, they're gonna think you don't belong on the stage, you're not experienced enough, you're not fill in the blank enough. 
and how I changed that. And it started with my body language. And then it started with this next step, which is getting out of your head and into their hearts. So knowing that 80% of this room has the same insecurities that you do is a great way for you to recognize that there's an opportunity to take care of other people. Like it's much more fun to take care of other people than to be taken care of, than to be the victim, than to be wounded. It's much more fun to put on a cape. How many of you would much rather put on a cape? Yes. So the next time you're about to walk into a social setting, put on your cape and recognize that you have an opportunity to take care of other people. Knowing that no matter what setting you're walking, I don't care if you're walking into a reunion of Victoria's Secret models, <laughs> you, the, you won't walk into a room of more insecure women who need to be taken care of. So just remember that this is your opportunity to make other people feel more relaxed, feel more comfortable. So think about the person you know who you love when they're invited to the thing because they make you feel comfortable. And I'm gonna pause so you can think about that person. That person that you, you know they love social settings. You know that if they're gonna be there, like everyone's gonna be comfortable, right? Because just the way they walk into the room. So describe for me, what does that usually look like? What? They own it. They own it. So how do they walk in? What do they do? They laugh. They do, what else do they do? They're confident, they hug people. I think the, the people who make other people feel the most comfortable are the ones who walk in and when you see them, you can tell they're excited to see you. They're like, ah, oh, I've been dying to see you. Then you're like, you just feel like, oh, I'm good. Somebody wanted to see me. Like I, I am the center of somebody's universe. What if you did that, even if you weren't feeling it? Have you ever known that you were going to see someone you haven't seen in a while, right? And you're thinking to yourself, I wonder, I wonder how they're gonna respond. You know what I'll do? I'll, I'll just like, I'll wait and see how they respond to me. Hands up if you've done that. Hands up if you've, hands up in the back if you've done that. You've waited, you're like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get all excited until I see how they act. I'll just be like over here. <laughs> right? Or if they're like, <sighs> then you're like, <sighs> arms widespread, you run up and give them a hug. Like that feels really good. It immediately lets your guard down. If they don't do that, if they kind of give you the nod from across the room and a little bit, uh, just a little twist of resting face, you're like, I don't know about her. <laughs> and then you look for validation with whoever, whatever people you're talking to, right? But it just feels so good when someone is warm and inviting. When someone walks into the room and they're guarded, you feel guarded. So if you want everyone else to respond warmly to you, you should be that person. Even, I know you're going to say that's not my personality. We'll make it your personality. Just try. Especially the next time you're about to walk into a situation where you aren't going to feel, you're not feeling comfortable before you get there. Just pretend. Because if you pretend in an authentic way, if that makes sense, you will feel that. It does come to you. Your thoughts are your thoughts. And then there's truth. Right? So one really important thing to do is to 
stop and go, okay, is this a thought or is this the truth? Is this a thought or is this the truth? When I'm sitting in the parking lot before I walk in to speak on a stage where I know they don't know who I am, my thought is they are going to think you are a clown, a joke, someone who was invited here because I needed a female speaker. Those are my thoughts. But is that the truth? And I stop myself and I go, probably not. I, I don't say for sure it's not because I don't know. But I will say it's probably not true. Or I'll say so not true. I know that's not true. So you have to learn to separate. Look, you're, I'm not going to tell you not to have these thoughts. You're going to have them because you're human. Like when people are like, just think positive. It's like, okay, how? You know? <laughs> I think that's unrealistic. What's realistic is to go, hmm, okay, is this a thought or is this the truth? And just stop yourself and go, this probably isn't true. It probably isn't true. And this is probably something they're thinking about themselves. Separate those two things. And then here's my next step. Go toe to toe. Get in the ring with your worst, scariest thought. So most people, they have a lot of anxiety because they fear what might happen. And the fear of the unknown is worse than the known, right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen is horrible. And, and especially if you're a need-to-know, control-free kind of person. <laughs> Do not surprise me. I need to pick out my outfit. I need to know who's going to be there. Do not surprise me. I'm a control freak. I carry a card. Look out. So if that's like the fear of what could happen, like I, you know, this is Shaleen show, I, how many of you had like, just be honest because I think we'll see a lot of hands go up. How many of you had like a little bit of social anxiety about coming tonight? Yeah. Because you're like, I don't know if like all of our listeners, like they had their body fat tested before they came or <laughs> like, are they all like really, I don't know, they look like Mindy, like. I, you don't know, right? Or like, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a point at which she brings like me on stage and I have to tell my life story and it ends up on a podcast and then my mom's going to hear it? Like, you know, your mind does all these crazy things, right? And no one's going to, I'm not going to know anyone and then I'm going to accidentally sit in someone's seat and like, you know, your brain can do all these things. But what usually happens is when we start to have those negative thoughts, we push them down and we allow our feelings, anxiety, like heart palpitations, you know, flushed cheeks and thoughts, we, we don't deal with them. We just push them down and go, yeah, it's, I, I don't know, I don't feel good about going because we don't want to think about the worst case scenario. Well, I'm telling you that one of the best things you can do is go in the ring and imagine the worst case scenario, like realistic worst, not like, you know, you're being silly, but like realistically, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? And then think about it and go, all right, so if I go and speak on that stage and not one person in the audience nods or even smiles, worst case scenario would be like if 25% of the room, because I don't think half would leave, but if 25% of the room in the middle of my speech slowly got up and walked away, that would be, that for me, like that's realistic, like no one's bringing tomatoes or like <laughs> they don't have a pitchfork with hay on it and they light a fire like, you know, start the town to chase me out of town. Like, I know that's not going to happen, but yeah, 25% of the room, they, they could leave. That, I had that happen, so I can imagine that happening. 
So it's like, okay, well, if the worst realistic case scenario did happen, how would I handle it? I would just keep going. I would just keep going. That's what I would do. I would just keep going, and I would remember that it would be a great story later. Like, no matter how bad it is, I can always tell Brett, and it'll make him laugh. Or I can share it on a podcast. It'll be a story. Like, that's the worst. Will I die? No. Will it ruin my speaking career? No. So the worst case scenario is I've got a funny story. And that's not that bad. Like, it's going to be painful, but, like, now I've thought about it. And now I've, I've pictured the worst case scenario, so it's not going to be that bad if it does happen because I'm kind of prepared for it. So I, I go in the ring with my worst case scenario, real, my realistic worst case scenario, which is different from worry. It's really like just kind of going, well, I know me and I know how I'll handle it, so I'm, I'm okay with this. Having said that, if there's something you don't want to do, and it doesn't align with your values, that's different, right? Like, so if there's something you don't want to do because it doesn't like align with where you're trying to go or who you are or what you're trying to be, what you want your life to look like, it's okay to decline that. That's different. Clear? Yeah, because if you're like, yeah, I just, for example, regularly, which is really kind, I have great friends who are in high places and I will get these messages from people who sometimes I've just met and they're like, Shaleen, you know, it's this woman and this woman and this famous author and this famous, and it's a, a strong group of women and we're all, you know, we do this once a month mastermind networking. We'd love for you to come. Now, number one, that's social anxiety for me. But number two, it doesn't align with where I want to go and what I want to do, what I want for my life. Because I'm, I'm not trying to move up. I'm trying to do right, right where I'm at. And I'm, I'm not trying to do more. I'm trying to do right. And that type of environment I know will trigger me to feel like I have to do more. So that doesn't align with my values to go to it. It's not like I, I have to recognize, okay, there's a little bit of social anxiety about this. But why is the other reason I don't want to go? It doesn't align with what's important to me right now. So permission to decline things that don't align with your values. These jeans don't stretch, so i got to pull them down, okay? <laughs> They're like cardboard. How many of you can think of something where you're like, yeah, that, that's something I recently declined, and I declined it because it doesn't really align with where I want to go? Good. Good, good, good. Good, good. Yeah. Permission to do that. You don't have to go to everything. Um, the next thing I want to tell you is that this is a little trick that I to use. When I am not looking forward to doing something, social anxiety, I think about something that I'm in a good mood about. Like, like when I think about it, it makes me happy. Like maybe it's Christmas or maybe it's, you know, you're going to see your, your son or your daughter in a play. Whatever it is, like something that like when you think about it, like puts you in such a good mood. Can you think of something right now that puts you in a good mood? Maybe it was going to the Shaleen show. <laughs> tonight you're gonna need something new <laughs> right so think about something that puts you in a good mood and then use that like I I try to do that because then you'll be like oh I'm in a I'm in a better mood even though I'm not excited about going to this thing and if you're just in, and you're thinking about that as you're talking to people you'll be much more engaging much more engaging and then change your story stop thinking of yourself as a person who's awkward at parties Stop thinking about the fact that you don't know what to say or you have a loss of words, you know? Because that story, if we hold on to it, 
it becomes our reality. It's what we're focusing on. I got a message recently on Snapchat from a woman who I was like, wow, what a story. She explained to me how she had lost her job and her husband had lost his job and they'd moved in with her parents and then a, a pet had died and a business had failed and it was like boom, 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 boom. Like negative, like story, story, story. And like th this has just been the way of our life. The last 10 years have been horrible. And I thought, well, of course they have. Well, of course they have because that is a thousand percent what you're focused on. We have one, we're, we're like a talking like you're talking to a stranger and you're telling me every single negative occurrence in your life that is so clearly what you're focused on and so obviously what you're going to get more of. If you tell yourself that you're awkward, if you tell yourself that people think you're strange, if you tell yourself that you're uncomfortable, that story becomes your reality. Instead, tell yourself a story, even if it's a story that people like me. I make people laugh. I make people comfortable. I make people realize that I'm paying attention. I actually listen. Like tell a different story in your head because that story will become your reality. But you gotta repeat it over and over and over again. Do any of you follow um, Conor McGregor on Instagram? Well, you should. First of all, he's super cute. And he might have lost that last fight, but. We were trying to get it on pay-per-view and we couldn't figure out how to do it. We're like, ah, ah, because we just like landed from a flight. And we're like, I'm like, get it on, get it on, because we were like so excited to watch it. If you guys don't know who Conor McGregor is, ladies, by the way, he's super cute. That's so. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I, I posted on my Instagram story this afternoon him getting ready in the morning. And you can't tell that he's talking to the mirror first. He's like, yeah, you're the man. You the man. No, you the man. I think he throws in a few F-bombs. But and then you can see that he's talking in the mirror. I'm like, yes. Yeah, yeah, like he believes his own story. He believes his story. Like the only reason why you can climb to that level of success is belief in yourself. And you can see that that belief in yourself starts by telling yourself a story, believing it, you know? What's the story that you tell yourself? What is that story? Because it will determine your outcome. So I have these two programs. I have a program called the One Through One Method. Thanks. I have quite a few programs, but the, the two where I hear this most often, most often, are the One Through One Method and the Marketing Impact Academy. I get, thanks. Love you guys, it's like on cue. But the, I get the same message, whether, regardless of the program, people will say, I don't know if I'm going to succeed at this. I hope I don't fail. In which case I always say, you're not ready. Because if you hope you don't fail, that means you believe you will. Especially if you're taking the time to put those words in writing on your phone and send them to the creator of the program, you've said in your mind, I think I'm going to fail. And I have to tell you, if you think you're going to fail, you will, most likely. I mean, sometimes you can su succeed by accident, but if you think you're gonna run into something, you will. If you think you're gonna get through something, you will. Like, what? Your belief dictates the outcome in almost every situation. If you think your marriage sucks, it does. 
If you think your marriage is getting better, it is. If you think you're on the path to success and you're going to succeed, you just have to try and stick to it, you will succeed. If you believe, however, this isn't for me, it's too hard, it's not my thing, you're right. Like, whatever you believe is the truth. So change your beliefs. And I know that sounds so much easier than it really is, but it does, does start with not allowing yourself to repeat those negative things, not allowing yourself to lead with those things, not allowing yourself, like breaking that habit, and it is a habit. It is very much a habit. Give permission to someone in your life who you love to say, catch me when you're hearing me expressing self-doubt. Catch me, stop me. Don't reprimand me, but just say self-doubt or SD, whatever. Have a code word so that you're aware, because I bet you don't even know you're doing it. I bet you don't even realize it's happening and it's something you can change. I'm telling you, you can change this. This has nothing to do with your DNA. Might have a lot to do with your parents, but not even their DNA. It's just like the environment, like what you're used to. You know, there's, you're either raised in a very positive environment or maybe a negative environment, and you take those things on, you don't even realize, and suddenly you're like, oh my God, I sound just like my mom. Just horrible. <laughs> right? Yeah? Okay, because here's the deal. Um, being social is a very important trait. And I didn't tell you this earlier, but I, I want to emphasize how important it is. It is considered the skill of opportunity. When we feel fear is often when we're presented with an opportunity. Right? So opportunity almost always comes with fear. Think about that. The people who are going to make the biggest impact on your life are the people who you aren't necessarily comfortable with. And you might feel a sense of awkwardness. One of the um, questions that I got from the audience, thank you so much for those, uh, someone asked, Shalene, tell us about the best academy or training that you've ever taken. And honestly, the first thing that always comes to my mind is I, I did uh, a training it was a very expensive training, and I think I, it was like the most money I'd ever spent on like, like learning these skills, like how to become an online entrepreneur. And I spent $5,000 to go to this training, and, uh, which was a lot of time, because we weren't making any money online. And I, I was like, I don't, I don't feel like being here, I'm super uncomfortable, I just, I had no idea what to expect. And I thought, everybody there is going to be already in business, and I have no clue. And I did show up, and I, it was, there were very few women there, and I, I was very uncomfortable when I first walked in. But I saw a guy who just, I'm like, he looks like a nice person. So I just like said hello to him and made small talk with him, and he said, you know, um, my partner isn't able to be here and I have a VIP ticket. Would you like to take his seat? And I'm like, sure. So I sat in his seat. Next to me was an older gentleman who the entire time kept looking at me. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I know some of you are really good at flirting. I'm horrible. I'm, I, I'm ne I never get hit on, because I'm, I'm, I always assume everyone is trying to hit on me, so I immediately go into resting face. And I'm like, <laughs> like even if a man is trying to be nice to me, I'm like, really? Super rude. And so I was giving him this look like, please. And you, you kept trying to be like, you know, front, overly friendly. And there was this point in which I hate when you do business conferences and they do this thing. It's so cheesy when they're like, okay, go to the person next to you, massage their shoulders. I'm like, ugh. 
on this person massaging me. And so, like, of course, this guy's got to massage me. And I'm like... <laughs> and then I have to massage him. <laughs> and I was very unfriendly with him the entire time. And then there was a partner exercise where they had us each tell our, our three-minute story. Like, the story of why we were there. Like, what was the message we wanted to share with everyone? And, of course, I had to partner up with Creeper. And I tell my story, and then I'm expecting, and so he tells his story. And he says that he had built a multi-million dollar software company, he and his wife. And they had worked 70 hours a week. This is their life's passion. And really sacrificed a lot of living. They, friend, their friends were retiring, he was older. I'd say he was probably like 60-something. But they had sacrificed a lot of the things that their friends were doing in retirement and th because they had landed in this position pretty late in life. And they just worked like dogs to make it happen. And a year prior, his wife had died of cancer. And he goes, you have to forgive me. You look so much like my daughter. So I've been staring at you the whole time. I'm like, what am a jerk am I? I thought you were trying to hit on me, you know. And he talked about how his mission was to teach people that life is short and success doesn't bring you happiness, that he would give anything to have his wife back. And I thought, that's the best conference I've ever gone to, because here I am telling you the story 10 years later. And that wasn't from anything I learned from the speakers on the stage. That was because I was forced to be social. I was forced to listen. You know, I was meant to be in that chair. Because it really did, like his words had a profound effect on me. And I don't know his name. I didn't write it down. I wish I had. Because I would tell him that he's a jerk for ruining my makeup. <laughs> but, my point is, you came here for me, but probably not. You probably did come here for another reason, you know? And I don't know that purpose, but he does. And you have to be open to it. And when we're in our own head, we can't be open to it. Like, it wasn't until I, like, literally let my guard down and let him tell that story that I realized why that was such a powerful experience, such a powerful seminar. It had nothing to do with the speakers who were there. It had everything to do with the person I was sitting next to. Okay. Opportunities come when we're willing to be uncomfortable and be social because we're really, we're meant to connect with other people. We really are. Life is too short if we don't connect. Let's continue, shall we? Okay. All right, and we just have a few, a few points left, so, and, and that leads beautifully into my next one, which is the most important thing you can do is listen, and I know you've heard this before, but listen with intent of understanding. We all know someone who's listening until the point at which they realize there's something they want to say, and then they stop listening, and now they're just waiting. They're just waiting for you to finish so they can tell you how they did something better, how they did something similar, how, you know, back to me. 
right? But what if we actually listened and thought about it and processed it and didn't say anything, we just gave it a pause and considered what it all meant and then asked the questions that weren't answered. How did that make you feel? What was that like? Ask a follow-up question as opposed to saying, I know how you feel, I've been through that too, or here's my own experience. Like really to listen with intent. And I, I, I love that you guys listen to podcasts, so those are my favorite podcasters, the podcasters who actually let their guests talk. And they ask the questions that, that we as a listener would be asking, as opposed to the podcasters who when they're interviewing, they interrupt to share their own two cents. And it's like, it's your podcast. You can do that when you do a solo episode, right? But it's so much more powerful to ask a follow-up question, to really listen with intent. And that is a skill. Because what happens is we're in our own heads, and this person's telling a very interesting story, and we want to relate to them. And we think the best way to relate to them is to tell them about ourselves. But it's really not. The best way to relate to someone is to ask a follow-up question. It's just, to just be honest about your intent and to really be curious about other people and not worry about impressing other people. When we're, I, I promise you this. Write this down. When I try to impress others, I don't. Is there anything more annoying than, is there anything more annoying than when people vomit their accomplishments and their resume? You're like, it doesn't make you any more attractive or, or likable or, or any of those things. You know, I just think that we assume we're not enough. We assume we're not enough, so we want to tell people all the things that we've done, all the people that we know, all the things that we can share in common maybe, but really the thing that makes people so likable is when they're interested, genuinely interested in us. So listen with intent. And lastly, about really feeling your best in social situations is a tip about conversations, okay? So two things, number one, come up with some questions in advance. If you, if you know you're coming to an event like this and you're gonna meet people that you, you've never met before, there's something, like every single person who's here tonight, I would wanna know, when did you start listening to the show? Did someone introduce you to it? Did you find it? Were you searching for a topic and you found the Shaleen show? How did you find the show? What's your favorite episode? How many people have you stolen their phones and made them subscribe? <laughs> Does your husband hate me? Those kind of things. Did your husband love me after tonight? <laughs> I love you. So like there's lots of que like those questions. Don't worry about whether you think those are intrusive. They're not. They're really not. If they are, then someone will say, oh, I don't know. And you'll be able to pick up on their cues that they don't want to talk about. Other than that, people really, they're people's favorite subject in the world as themselves. <laughs> right? Notice that. Like you don't have to carry the conversation. And some of you are really outgoing and you're really great at carrying the, the conversation, but you're not that great to be around because you never shut up. It's always about you. Right? Do you know those people? Hands up. <laughs> How many of you know those people? 
We went out to dinner with one of them last weekend, and Brett just found out that we might have to go out to dinner with him again tomorrow. And I'll tell you what, it's, you just think, okay, this person, they really think they're like doing everyone else a favor by carrying the conversation, but they're not. Like, shut up and ask, carry the conversation by asking other people to take over, by handing them the mic, by asking them a question. Okay, and then the last thing I have to say is to be brief. Okay, be brief. Be like a mini, when it comes to conversations, be like a mini skirt. Short enough to grab people's attention, but long enough to cover the subject matter. Be brief, be bright, be fun, and then be done. And turn the mic over to somebody else. You guys are the bomb.com. Yes! Love you guys. This edition of The Shalene Show was brought to you by 131 Movement. Stop dieting. Save your brain. Save your gut. Live longer. Feel better. Stop going on a diet or following somebody else's rules and figure out what it means to have your own diet. Figure out a method that actually serves you, that helps you to be a better version of yourself. Let go of all of this craziness and confusion that surrounds diet and understand the science, the science of one, the study of one. Join the 131 movement today. We're taking back the word diet and getting what we are rightfully entitled to, which is our health. You deserve not just to look amazing, but to feel amazing. I'd love for you to learn more about my personal journey and why this is a true passion for me. I invite you to learn more by going to 131movement.com.